Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me just read you uh, something before we get going. There's a guy by the name of George W. Truitt, a well-known pastor, was invited to dinner in the home. Are you listening? Was invited to dinner in the home of a wealthy man in Texas. After the meal, the host led him to a place where they could get a view of the surrounding area. Pointing to the oil wells punctuating the landscape, he boasted, 25 years ago, I had nothing. Now, as far as you can see, it's all mine. Well, looking in the opposite direction at his sprawling field of grain, he said, that's all mine. And turning east toward the huge herd of cattle, he bragged, they're all mine. And then pointing to the west and at a beautiful forest, he explained, that too is all mine. He paused, expecting Dr. Truitt to compliment him on his great success. Truitt, however, placing one hand on the man's shoulder and pointing heavenward with the other, simply said, And how much do you have going in that direction? And the man hung his head, confused. And he said, I never thought of that. And I read that and I thought, you know, this is a question that we all have to ask ourselves. How much of what we possess, are you listening? How much of what we possess on this earth is going in that direction? We have a lot here, but what? do we have there? Well, Jesus is going to talk to us about what the true meaning of life is. I've actually titled this sermon, The True Meaning of Life. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 13, we'll read right down to verse 21, come back and have some comments. Luke chapter 12, and beginning in verse 13, if you're looking at it, please say amen. Amen. Then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed in verse 15 and beware of what saints covetousness. What? Some of y'all ain't looking at verse 15. Beware of what? Covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then in verse 16, he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But notice verse 20. God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then 
whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention by a show of hands. Were you with me over the last several weeks in Luke chapter 12? Just by a show of hands. Okay, that's maybe half of you. So earlier now in chapter 12, Jesus was talking about beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And they should be afraid of those, they shouldn't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but be afraid of the one who can kill the body and the soul. And don't be fearful that you are worthless to God because God cares about a little sparrow. How much more important are you? And last week we talked about this. Very important. As a matter of fact, if you missed last week's teaching, then please pick it up in the bookstore if there's any copies left or even order it. As Jesus said, if you speak a word against Christ, against Jesus, you will be forgiven. But if you speak a word against the Holy Spirit, you shall not be forgiven. And we talked about that is the unpardonable sin. That is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. And Jesus talked about don't be afraid to acknowledge their faith publicly. Man, last week, were you at Pullen Park? We had 50 people acknowledge their faith by getting baptized in Pullen Park last Sunday. Is that not exciting to you or what? That's awesome. Publicly acknowledge their faith. It was so, that was one of the best if y'all missed it, you missed a blessing. Am I lying? You missed a blessing. This one little girl, she was about, about up to my knee. She was the tiniest little thing. Did anybody get a picture of that? Did you? Please send me that. Facebook me, me and you. And uh, this little girl, oh my goodness. So I took her down in the water and she probably weighed, you know, 17 pounds. I don't know. And I uh, took her down in the water. That little girl, she came up out of that water. Her hands were like this. She came up out of that water. She was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, now that's the way you get baptized. She knew what she was doing. Some of y'all happy. Some of y'all like, so? Well, I was there. You had to be there. It was awesome. Anybody there was awesome. Wasn't it awesome? It was just, I mean, that little girl, people publicly confessed and gave their lives and made a commitment to follow Christ, and they did it before men. And speaking of publicly, Jesus said last week, if you are taken before the magistrates, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit's going to give you what to say. Now, beginning in verse 13, Jesus is not only talking to the disciples, and the disciples are not the only ones listening, but there's a whole lot of people interested in what Jesus has to say. And a lot of people are listening, and people are listening for different reasons. And then someone from the crowd, did you get this? Right in the middle of Jesus' Bible study said, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my money. I can't imagine. Jesus is teaching. Now listen, when Jesus is teaching, shut up. Jesus is teaching. This guy interrupts the man's Bible study, and he says, Jesus, make my brother give me my money. Now, listen, that wasn't quite unusual. I mean, interrupting, yes, but it was the custom of that day for rabbis to deal with matters such as these. 
It was also custom in that day for the oldest son to divide up the inheritance evenly. But for some reason, that wasn't happening here. So this guy comes interrupting Jesus and he says, I want justice. This guy is saying one thing, justice, but Jesus hears a heart of covetousness. Isn't it interesting? The guy is saying one thing and Jesus is hearing something else. You know, it's like, that should tell us that there's no reason, there's no point in trying to lie to God. Because he sees through us like glass, and we can be saying one thing, and our heart is saying something else, and God knows what your heart's saying. He's not listening to what your mouth is saying. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He's not listening to what your mouth is saying. God is looking at your heart. The Bible says that man looks on the outward, but God looks at the what? The heart. So this man is saying, I want justice. Jesus hears him talking about covetousness. Now listen, here's something very practical we can learn from this. Here's something very practical. Get your house in order. And specifically, listen, get your will in order. Amen. Now, my friend is sitting right on the front row, and he's an attorney, and he knows I'm preaching to the choir right now because he had to make me get my will in order. He was like, Pastor Ronnie, you got to get your will in order. You got to get that stuff in order. And we did the, the they call it living will, where like when your body, you like, what do you want to do with your body if something happens to your body and you want to stay on resuscitation? Do you want to donate parts of your body? You got to make all those decisions or whatever. And... You know, I, I, and when you get your driver's license, I want to say you have to do that too. You got to say whether you want to give your organs to donor organ people. I don't know the names of these people. I'm working here, people. Look, it's four services, donor organ people. And, 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 and you know, I, I, look, I, I said, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I ain't giving nobody nothing. I'm sorry, I'm not, because I, I don't trust that. Because cause, cause they might need a, a liver somewhere. And you have a car accident and just fracture your ankle. <laughs> and they come up to the scene and they see all you got is a fractured ankle. And they're thinking, well, this person over here needs a liver. You got a fractured, fractured ankle. And they go, you know what? We just let you die because we need your liver. I'm like, no, no, no. I ain't giving nobody nothing. Leave all my organs. Y'all probably like, man, you a pastor. You're supposed to be giving. <laughs> Yes, I am a pastor, but I ain't giving you nothing. I want all my stuff to stay right where it is. All right. Somebody say amen. Thank you, brother. Leave it alone. Hallelujah. Get your stuff in order. Get your will. Now here, get your will in order. This is really important because you know what happens when somebody dies, and y'all know this to be true. When somebody dies and they leave an inheritance, folk you never saw family come out the woodwork. They just show up from nowhere. They come to the house, they're like, hi, hi, who are you? You think they like the milkman or something, you know? Hi, who are you? Oh, I'm Uncle Trazon. We never even heard of you, Uncle Trazon. What kind of name is Trazon, by the way? We never even heard of you. Well, I'm the cousin of the cousin, 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 of the girlfriend's cousin, of the cousin, cousin, and I'm part of this family, and I want something. And then, then people get to fighting over money, over an inheritance. 
And then what happens is you have these Holy Spirit-filled, speaking in tongues Christians who get into fights and they get into arguments over what they want, and it's a big mess with the family. And I have seen families destroyed because these things were not put in place. Am I lying? Because things are not put in place. I told my wife, and she is very, very clear, when I go to be with the Lord, listen, everything is spelled out, and here it is. Ain't nobody getting nothing. Can I get a witness? Ain't nobody getting nothing. I am doing my very best to die as broke as I possibly can. And I, and I think I'm doing a good job. I'm trying to die broke, y'all. Because I ain't trying to leave you nothing. I had to work for what I got. You need to work for what you get. Ain't nobody leaving you nothing. I told I got my family, I had a little family meeting. Everybody sit down. They thought I was going to tell them how much everybody was getting. I said, I want you all to know, when I die, ain't nobody getting nothing. I said, so ain't no need to try to kill me. Because <laughs> I ain't worth nothing. You ain't getting nothing. Because families are destroyed because of it. And I think that that's what's happening here in our text is there's a problem because things were not taken uh, seriously and things were not set in order. So, so the guy comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want justice. And Jesus said in verse 14, please look at it in your Bibles. In verse 14, he said, man, let's see, I believe that began with Jesus. You know how we go, hey, man, what's up? I think that began with Jesus. Jesus said, man, it's in the Bible. If y'all just read it, you'd know. Jesus said, man, all this stuff began with Jesus. Ain't nothing new under the sun. Everything's in the scripture. Jesus started everything. Jesus said, man, Jesus started that man pound. What's up, man pound? He said, man, it's right there. He said, man, notice that. And then he said, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Look at verse 15. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And Jesus answered, listen, his answer to him was an answer that really spoke to the fact that this man was greedy. Jesus answered him this way because the real issue is greed. This guy was just trying to use Jesus to get something that he thought he needed. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's a definition for covetousness. A definition. An unquenchable thirst for getting more of something we think we need in order to be fully satisfied. An unquenchable thirst, covetousness, an unquenchable thirst for getting more of something we think we need in order to be truly satisfied. Or the idea in the Greek is this, stretching yourself out to grab something at all costs because you are not satisfied with your lot. Simply put, covetous means to thirst for more wanting more of what you already have enough of. Covetousness, listen, comes in many different forms, and I'm going to give you three quick examples if you're taking notes. Number one, 
coveting of possessions. Man, don't we do that? If I only had that car, if I only had a bigger house, if I only had this or that, I'd be happy. And the problem is, listen, if you start to take your satisfaction into the material realm, you will never, never be satisfied because your flesh always wants more. Do you understand you cannot satisfy your flesh? I said, you cannot satisfy your flesh. That's why people get addicted to pornography. You can't satisfy your flesh. If you get something, you want something better. We do it all the time. You get a new car, you want a nicer car. You get a brand new car. You're driving down the road, happy, driving along, singing a song. Somebody drives up next to you and they got one of those... uh, one of those uh, Land Rovers that are absolutely just covered. I mean, love, nice. <laughs> and it's got nice two-tone seat, leather seats, and the trim, different color around the side. And you look over, and you drive, you pull up stoplight, and then you look over, and you go, nice car. And let me tell you, when you just fell into lust, when you take a second look, you drive, you go, nice car, and then you go, nice car. You say, nice car. (laughs) That's when you just fell in the lust. And then you want something better. Listen, why can't we just be satisfied with what the Lord has given us? And the very fact that you have a car. Look, if you go out in the morning and start your car, whatever car it is, even if it's a pacer, God loves you. Some of y'all don't even remember what they were. They were the ugliest car ever created on the face of the earth. But if it starts, you are blessed. Amen. If it starts, you're blessed. If you got AC, you're double blessed. Especially in North Carolina. You're blessed. Why can't we just be satisfied with what the Lord has given us? You got a house. Your house is already 4,000 square feet. And you don't clean 3,500 feet of it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I don't want to do that. I'm just talking, people. And and, and you got a nice house, but you want a bigger house. Why? I don't know. You got 10 bathrooms and five, six bed, uh, uh, 10, 10 bedrooms and five bathrooms, but you want more. Ladies, listen. Don't do that to your husband. Let the women say amen. Ooh. Y'all, y'all trying to wait to hear why not before you, y'all like, why? Before I say amen, I want to know why. Tough crowd. Don't do that to your husband. You know, honey, you know, we need a bigger house. Well, honey, what's wrong with the one we got? And, you know, we're living at this and, and, you know, we, you know, this is the income I make and, and well, then I'll just go get a job. Well, no, honey, I'd rather you stay home with the kids. Yeah, but we got to get a bigger house. We got to be keeping up with the Joneses. It's like, who are the Joneses anyway? And the Joneses ain't thinking about you. They don't care nothing about you. What are you trying to keep up with them for? Trying to keep up with people that don't even like you. 
Oh, we need a bigger this, we need that, we need this, and we need that, this, and don't do that. Be content, the Bible says, with what you have. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Be content with what you have because material things is not going to satisfy. Your flesh always wants more. You know, the Romans used to have a saying that, that money was like an ocean, was like ocean water. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. Isn't that true? You ever go in the ocean and you're just swimming around or whatever, you come out, you are so thirsty. Someone's like that salt content. It just makes you so thirsty. You cannot be satisfied. You know, I think of a guy by the name of Achan. And it's in Joshua. You read this on your own time. It's in Joshua chapter 6. And uh, this guy named Achan, he wasn't satisfied with his lot in life. There was a battle, the Bible tells us, and God told the people that they could not have any of the spoils from the battle. And the people of Israel lost the battle. But Achan, get this, he took a beautiful piece of garment, the Bible says, and he took a brick of gold. And he took it back to the camp of Israel, and he hid it in his tent. And maybe he was just trying to help out the family, and maybe he was just trying to get ahead. We don't know. The people didn't know, but God knew. And God said the reason for the defeat was because the reason why Israel was defeated was because their sin, there was sin in the camp. God said, if you don't deal with that sin, I won't be with you anymore. And conversely, if you deal with the sin, I will be with you. Hey, maybe, just maybe, I'm talking to you. Could it be the reason things aren't going as well as you thought they could, should? Things are terrible. Maybe situations are terrible. Maybe things aren't working out for you. Could it be that there's sin in the camp? It's very interesting, listen to me. It's very interesting that the gold fabric, this beautiful gold fabric, and this brick of gold, God called it the accursed thing. And God said, until the accursed thing is removed, you are not going to be blessed by God. Until the accursed thing is removed, you are grieving the Holy Spirit, and God is not going to bless you until you remove the accursed thing from your life. And let me save you the trouble. You don't need to pray about, God, you know, help me remove the accursed thing. Or God, you know, will, will you move the accursed thing? God told Israel, you move the accursed thing, and then I will bless you. There are some things, listen, you don't need to pray about. When it comes to things that are spelled out in the B-I-B-L-E, that's the Bible. When it comes to things that are clearly sin in the Bible, you don't have to pray about it. You have to obey it. Can somebody say a better amen? Clap your hands or do something. You, you need to obey it. Some people want to pray about stuff that God said, I don't want you to do that. That's sin. You know, thank God I ain't God. Because I burn folk up. I wouldn't even play around. I mean, folk just playing around. Oh, God, if it's your will, Lord, please make that person move out of my house. Lord, we've been living together for this long a time, and Lord, if it's not your will, let me tell you something. I don't care what the culture says. It is not God's will for people to live together. But that ain't popular, is it? 
That ain't popular, but that's true. And you don't need to pray about whether, you want, whether God's going to move in that situation or not. You need to just simply obey it. Don't take the time to pray about it. Do what God has told you to do. Well, listen, when it was discovered that Achan had hidden the spoils in his tent, the Bible says the anger of the Lord was burning against Achan, and it cost him his life. They burned him and killed him. It cost him his life, and it cost him the life of his family. Not only was Achan, Achan, (laughs) but his Family was aching. Okay, fine. Then we'll leave it. Guys, listen. I see this happen every day in church, and I know I need to move on. The husband is out working. The wife is out working to get more, amass more stuff, more money, climb the corporate ladder. All of this is for the good of the family. And meanwhile, listen, it's costing you the life of your children, and you might be making more money, but you are losing what is most valuable to you. Yeah, you might be making more money. Yeah, y'all might be making six figures, but you're losing what's most valuable. What is that? Your children. And nowadays we got latchkey kids. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not coming down on single parents. My mother was a single parent. And I used to come home and my mom was at work and had to use the key. I was a latchkey kid myself. But is that God's design? No. And was my mother and and many, many single parents doing what they have to do because they have to do it? Yes. But should a husband and a wife decide we need to make more money? So let's go out and make more money and let the kids come home and let them raise themselves? No. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.